The protests across America won't be silenced. It's become an all-too-familiar pattern. An unjust killing, a public outcry, a presidential address. But President Trump's words, when they came, left many stunned. I have strongly recommended to every governor to deploy the National Guard in sufficient numbers that we dominate the streets. What's behind this hardline law and order rhetoric? And what can history teach us about presidents, protests and elections? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, civil rights, protests and US presidents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We watched a man be murdered, and that's not something that humans should watch. Humans shouldn't watch humans be murdered, and that has uh, changed us. Kylie Scales is the managing director of the Black Lives Matter Global Foundation Network. It has caused despair, rage, pain, anxiety. It's triggered a lot of us in the violence that we're seeing, that we see in our communities. It's triggered images of other people that we know have been taken by police, thousands across this country. Does it feel like this is a bit of a turning point? It does feel like a turning point. It feels like an inflection point. It feels like a moment that we must capture and ensure that our demands are heard and that the voices that have been carrying these messages and these demands and needs for decades have this moment where we can move forward with clear solutions. I read somewhere, I think it was Will Smith who said, racism in America hasn't got worse, it's just now getting filmed. This has been something that has been experienced for a long time. The history of this country suggests that um, black people have been systematically oppressed for centuries. The death of George Floyd, an African-American man who died whilst being arrested by the police, sparked the biggest protests across the United States since the race riots of the 1960s. There are many comparisons to the civil rights movement and that era, including President Trump's response. 
If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. Donald Trump has threatened to use the army on American civilians, something which provoked an outcry amongst the public and retired generals alike. But is it unusual? Today, we're looking at other moments in American history when presidents face protests and how their response defined them and their chances at the ballot box. I'm David Charter. I'm the US editor of The Times. I live in Washington, D.C. with my family and I've been covering the Trump presidency during these extraordinary times. We'll start, as all the current comparisons do, in the 1960s. Direct from our newsroom in Washington, in colour, this is the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. Good evening. Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. In 1968, the civil rights icon Martin Luther King was assassinated. His death sparked protests across the country. President Lyndon Johnson called for peace. America is shocked and saddened by the brutal slaying tonight of Dr. Martin Luther King. I ask every citizen to reject the blind violence that has struck Dr. King, who lived by nonviolence. But a year before Martin Luther King's killing, something happened which has shaped the course of race relations in America to this day. So 1967 was known as the long, hot summer of race riots, which really erupted across the whole country against a background of unemployment and mistreatment by police and and poor housing, with the worst of it coming in Detroit, where the governor uh, called for the army to be sent in, which was sent in by President Lyndon Johnson at the time. There was a whole week of unrest, which basically left 43 people dead, over 1,000 injured, and and 2,000 buildings destroyed. It was really the worst rioting seen in America for, for decades. The upshot of the summer of 1967 was a commission set up by President Johnson called the Kerner Commission. The commission will investigate the origins of the recent disorders in our cities. It will make recommendations to me to the Congress, to the state governors. Which looked into the causes and potential solutions for the widespread trouble that was happening in mainly African-American neighbourhoods. But when the report came in February 1968, it wasn't exactly what America had been expecting. In what way? It pointed the finger not at the angry black man who had really been blamed without exception for previous riots and and in the press. But it looks much more widely at policing practices, the justice system, the way that banks and insurance companies treated black customers, the way that landlords treated their tenants, and really called out white racism. The response of President Johnson was to basically shelve the report. Wow because it called for huge investments in these neighbourhoods to try and transform the prospects, the life chances of black residents. The famous quote from the Kerner Commission report warned that Our nation is moving toward two societies, 
Our nation is moving toward two societies, one black, one white, separate and unequal. So back in 1967, they could see society splitting in two different sections and a huge disparity between them. And yet that report, which certainly seems to ring true now, that report was just shelved by President Lyndon Johnson. One of the reasons why it was quickly shoved aside was that 1968, when the report came out, was another tumultuous year in America, another election year. The assassination took place in early April of Martin Luther King, triggering the riots in Washington. That fed straight into the election campaign where Richard Nixon made really his main manifesto promise, the restoration of law and order, uh, that resonated strongly with his white voter base. It is time for an honest look at the problem of order in the United States. Dissent is a necessary ingredient of change. But in a system of government that provides for peaceful change, there is no cause that justifies resort to violence and basically swept him to power at the end of 1968 when all of the recommendations of the Kerner Commission looking at uh, much more complicated underlying causes was uh, swept under the carpet. David has a personal connection to the Washington DC riots. His wife's father, who came to the US from Guyana, experienced them firsthand. My father-in-law was living in the black area of northern Washington that was really at the epicentre of the demonstrations that erupted after Martin Luther King's assassination. Basically, he remembers that, that all of a sudden, as really as soon as news of the assassination began to come through, the energy that was being whipped up and the anger that was being whipped up on the streets quickly took hold. He remembers moving his car at great speed away from the area, which was just as well because it was really raised to the ground. He just recalls a night of actually utter terror that you didn't know where to turn because everywhere around that area were violent attacks and vandalism of property mainly. How did he feel moving around Washington at the time? I mean, did he feel like he was in danger? Was he being targeted? I don't think he personally ever felt particularly threatened because as a black man, he lived in this black area. But he said it was a very frightening 24 hours because the acts of violence and vandalism seemed to be so, so random and so devastating that you almost, you didn't know where to turn to get away from what was happening on the streets at that, at that time in that area. Yeah. Must have been terrifying. America is a country, modern America anyway, that is built on protest. If you go right back to the early days of America, all the way to the Boston Tea Party, which was really a revolt against British rule and the British taxation system, and seen as a spark of the American Revolution, you can see how important that protest is to the very foundation of America. I suppose it's also a feature of every president's term in office and the way they deal with them almost comes to define their presidency. Talk me through sort of President Hoover and FDR. How, how did they deal with protests? Going back to the 1930s, 
there were demonstrations in Washington, D.C. from large numbers of World War I veterans and their families who, as a result of the Great Depression after the First World War, were unable to find work and left in dire poverty, but had promissory notes for war bonuses that they had earned uh, on active duty during the war, but which would not be paid until uh, many years later as a kind of a pension. So these families and these veterans set up camp in Washington, D.C. as part of their demand to have their war bonuses paid. And Herbert Hoover, a Republican president, was again very much a law and order man who ordered the army in to disperse these protesters, effectively setting the regular U.S. Army of the day on the former soldiers who'd fought in the First World War. Wow. And public sympathy was really on the side of the unemployed former troops. And it really contributed to Hoover's landslide defeat to FDR, to President Roosevelt, in 1932. Again, this happened in in an election year. President Hoover had even sort of sent in cannons to try to subdue the protests, which seems alarming. It was a very violent put-down of these former soldiers. Now, President Roosevelt, who got elected later that year, was faced with a resurgence of this protest. But his reaction was quite different. He sent his wife to talk with the demonstrators to find out and explore their grievances. And as part of his New Deal programme, his reconstruction programme for America after the Great Depression, he offered them uh, work in the civilian conservation corps that he built up to rebuild America. Perhaps there are lessons to be learned for the modern day treatment of protesters who are demonstrating for a different reason. But there are are underlying causes which uh, bear comparison, such as the lack of opportunity faced by some black communities. And it's interesting to see how history remembers the response of those presidents and how they handle the protests as much as the protests themselves. This goes to the core of the the, the hot-button issue of whether you should send in the army, the regular army, and turn it, the American army, on the American people is a really high-stakes decision which many presidents seem to have found has actually not worked in their in their favor. I, Richard Nixon, do solemnly swear. I, Richard Nixon, do solemnly swear. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. That I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Returning to the 60s, Richard Nixon's promise to crack down and restore law and order after the riots appeared to strike a chord. He was elected president a few months later. Is that the blueprint for President Trump? I think what was attractive to President Trump, who has studied President Nixon and does have advisers who believe that Nixon was a great campaigner, which he was. The choice we make in 1968 will determine not only the future of America, but the future of peace and freedom in the world for the last third of the 20th century. I think the attraction of Nixon's approach was that it was a very successful campaign in 1968 that really played uh, strongly to his main support base, which was, if you like, middle-class white America. Let's not forget that the African-American proportion of the population is 13%. They don't have uh, a huge uh, voting block, and this has been one of the problems in a way that they face is that they also 
haven't voted in huge numbers and there are reasons for that. But I think the thing that's attractive to President Trump at the moment is that Nixon's campaign was a very successful appeal to his support base. You get the feeling that it it made for um, uh, good campaign points, but was not because it addressed the very real and terrifying images of violent rioting that broke out in, in 1968. But as the situation calmed down, so the imperative to really address the root causes seemed to, to go away. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Race riots have continued over the decades in America. You know, they haven't gone away in the meantime. Tell me about the 1990s. We've talked about the Kerner Commission and how it, it's really analysed root causes reaching far and wide into the behaviour of the white majority. By the 1990s, there's still an awful lot of tension between the different communities. The spark for the worst of the problems that were seen on the streets came in April 1992. The Rodney King case has delivered its verdict and not one of the four police officers seen on videotape beating Mr. King a year ago is guilty of using excessive force. They've all been found not guilty. When a jury acquitted four police officers who had been filmed beating up uh, a black man called Rodney King, who they had arrested. The verdicts come more than a year after an amateur photographer taped the police beating of Rodney King. The prosecution never called King to the stand. Really one of the first viral videos, if you like, that had a, a real effect over American life. It seemed to show a, a horrific beating that took place a, a year earlier. But it was really only once the officers had been acquitted of using excessive force that uh, Los Angeles, where the incident took place, erupted into six days of really devastating riots been growing steadily. With me is one of the protesters. He cannot give his name, but tell me, what exactly, how do you feel about all of this? I feel that it's a great travesty of justice. I feel that the jury in Simi Valley gave the okay 
to continue to abuse and oppress and suppress black people in this country. And again, we were back into the situation of a governor calling in the US Army to help restore order. Now, this was during the time of George Bush Sr. How did he react as president? Well, George H.W. Bush, another Republican president, went on the airwaves. Tonight, I want to talk to you about violence in our cities and justice for our citizens. Two big issues that have collided on the streets of Los Angeles. He made a national address on the second day of the L.A. riots and he again played the very strong law and order card that we've heard from Nixon and that we're hearing from President Trump today. Right now, there are 3,000 National Guardsmen on duty in the city of Los Angeles. Another 2,200 stand ready to provide immediate support. And he vowed to use whatever force was necessary to combat the, the violence and to restore order. It did contribute to calm being restored on the streets, but not before dozens of city blocks had been set on fire and attacked by looters and vandalism. So President George Bush Sr.'s attempt to quell the protests does seem to have been effective, and yet he lost the next election to Bill Clinton. Do you think the LA riots played any part in that? It is significant that it was again an election year. I don't think, however, that it was a big factor in his election defeat. The overwhelming reason he lost to Bill Clinton was the economy was just not doing very well. And of course, that was a contributory factor to why people were prepared to come out and ransack the city was that unemployment was running pretty high. It's so often the backdrop to all of this, isn't it? Yeah, you can see that contributory factors perhaps to the rioting, sort of general dissatisfaction at the state of economy and employment. These were the main factors behind Bush's defeat in 1992 and, and not so much his actions over the L.A. riots. Fast forward 24 years to 2016. Donald Trump wins the presidential election. I've just received a call from Secretary Clinton. She congratulated us, it's about us, on our victory. And I congratulated her and her family on a very, very hard-fought campaign. I mean, she... What did that moment mean for race relations in America? The real test of Trump came in the August of 2017 with the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Basically, white supremacist demonstration that got very out of hand. We begin tonight with that breaking news, a horrific scene in Charlottesville, Virginia, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence and chaos. The images just coming in, a car plowing into a crowd of demonstrators protesting against those white nationalists. I have to say that Trump's response was quite equivocal. So the first time he spoke about it, and this is the bit that's remembered mostly, he talked about there being people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. It was widely condemned, including by many Republicans. It was one that's, that didn't seem to want to 
be too critical of a hate movement. A lot of those protests were sparked by the taking down of Confederate monuments and Confederate flags. What does it tell us about America and the way it's still grappling with its own history and the history of its race relations? The white uh, supremacist gathering in Charlottesville had been in, in a park which had been called General Lee Park after the Confederate general and, and had a statue in the park which some people wanted to remove and the demonstration was ostensibly to say we want to keep the statue. Not a year goes by in America without some eruption of terrible racial violence What have you made of President Trump's reaction to this particular crisis? Well, he said some of the right things. My administration is fully committed that for George and his family, justice will be served. He will not have died in vain. But we cannot allow the righteous cries and peaceful protesters to be drowned out by an angry mob. However, because some of the protests have obviously descended into vandalism and looting around the country. That's been the aspect that's been really picked up by the White House. I am mobilising all available federal resources, civilian and military, to stop the rioting and looting, to end the destruction and arson. We're again, we're in an election year. We've got a president who did campaign on law and order in 2016. My overall impression is that, once again, too little has been done to really grasp the systemic uh, problems in American society. It's not just a failing of Trump, it's a failing of all presidents, going back to what we talked about with Lyndon Johnson and the Kerner Commission report, which highlighted some unpalatable truths about the way that society treats black communities that have not been addressed from that day in February 1968 when it was published. I have to say, for me, having married into an African-American family and come to live in America with my children, it's been a real eye-opener to talk to the family, to hear about their views on how safe they feel and... what it's like being black in in America. And it's actually rather depressing to hear just small things like during the coronavirus, my brother-in-law, who's a large black man, is nervous of wearing a mask in public in case it's uh, mistaken as a hostile act. You know, things like this have to be considered by black people that perhaps whites people wouldn't necessarily consider. And of course, there's that moment that I've become aware of in every black mother's life when she has to sit down with her son and explain how you must behave if the police uh, pull you over or if you have a confrontation with police. And really the the talk, as it's, as it's known, is a feature of black life and is something that takes place in all black families, really as a matter of survival. Do you worry about your own children? I wouldn't say I was worried at the moment because they're quite little, but it is a concern and I'm sure it will be uh, something that we need to talk to our children about as they get older. Now, we've talked about the 1930s and how President Hoover's hardline response to protests eventually led to him losing the election to President Roosevelt. We've talked about the 60s and how President Nixon came to power 
on a strong law and order ticket after riots in Washington, D.C. And we've looked at 1992, when George Bush Sr. sent the army in to subdue the riots in L.A. and lost an election not long after. How do you think the current situation will feed into this November's election? Will President Trump's tough line on law and order help or hinder him against Joe Biden? Yes, it does seem that race relations and racial justice, all of this is now, once again, a big issue right now. Will it still be an issue during the election? It's hard to see beyond the narrative of the tough law and order narrative that Trump uh, seems to want to push at the moment. I think we've seen signs that Biden will make it an election issue. He and the Democrats draw so much support from black voters. It is an important part of any successful Democratic uh, coalition. I do expect it to be part of the election because it's so important for the Democrats to turn out the, the black vote. But what they've really got to do is to try and present policies which black people who are pretty jaded about politicians will actually motivate them to come out. I think that the nation needs to address systemic issues. That's Kylie Scales again, who we heard at the start. She represents the Black Lives Matter movement. There needs to be accountability for the police force. There needs to be uh, provisions and investment made in our communities, investment made in our education system, in our employment services, in fair and universal health care. Those are the investments that need to be made in our community for change to be made. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, the US editor of The Times, David Charter, and Kylie Scales, managing director of the Black Lives Matter Global Foundation Network. You can read more of David's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Will Rowe and Leona Hamid. The executive producer is Leo Hornack, and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella, Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please do leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more. In these uncertain times, you can keep up to date and well informed on coronavirus and so much more every day with a digital subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times. Visit thetimes.co.uk slash subscribe to find out more. See you soon. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.